When a district attorney goes missing, the community takes action. There is also no shortage of possibilities or theories. When Ray Grecar went missing in April of 2005, no one knew what to think. There were limited clues that seemed to point in multiple directions. Was this a suicide? An accident? Did Ray just walk away from his stressful life? even though he was months away from retirement? Or is it possible that someone connected with one of his cases came after him? Ray had multiple high-profile convictions during his career as a district attorney in Center County, Pennsylvania. So where is Ray Grecar? This episode of Where Are They? features the unsolved disappearance of 59-year-old District Attorney Ray Grecar. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Where Are They podcast. Our podcast goal is to spread awareness of unsolved missing persons cases. I firmly believe in most cases, someone does know something. Please consider sharing Ray Grecar's story and following us on social media to help his case gain exposure. We have some new announcements coming up also, including a new feature we will be working on to raise money for different charities. Many of you have asked, how and what you can do to support the podcast and to support the families of these missing persons. And I'm hoping to announce a monthly charity focus beginning March 1st. If you have a charity to recommend us partnering with, send me a message at canwefindthem at gmail.com. These charities and nonprofits will, of course, be focused on finding missing persons, Please keep an eye on our social media. We will keep you updated with information as soon as we have it. Okay, now on to today's episode. We are going to talk about the very baffling unsolved disappearance of 59-year-old Ray Grecar from Belfont, Pennsylvania. This case is unsettling as there are a few different possibilities and it's nearly impossible to completely rule out any one theory. It's also a very sad case as Ray was just months away from retirement, which he had been planning for for some time. He would also leave behind an adult daughter whom he was really close with and he had upcoming plans to go visit her in Seattle. So let's start at the beginning. Who was Ray Grecar. Ray was born October 9, 1945 in Cleveland, Ohio. He grew up in the Collinwood neighborhood and he had an older brother, Roy. Ray attended Gilmore Academy for his high school years. Gilmore Academy is a private Roman Catholic school in Gates Mills, Ohio, and Ray was very well liked there and very smart. He attended college at the University of Dayton, and during an internship at the prosecutor's office, 
he knew he wanted to go on to law school. Also, during his time at college, he would meet his future wife, Barbara. They would both move back to the Cleveland area where Ray would attend Case Western University Law School to obtain his law degree. In 1969, Ray and Barbara married. Ray enjoyed a quick stint working in the prosecutor's office in Cleveland before he and Barbara would adopt a baby girl, Laura. Shortly after that, Barbara would be offered a job at Penn State University, and the family decided to relocate. Ray decided to become a stay-at-home dad for a while until a job offer came his way that he couldn't refuse. He would become the assistant district attorney for Center County, Pennsylvania. In 1985, when the DA decided not to run for re-election, Ray decided to run for the position. He easily won the vote and would become the DA of Center County for the next 20 years. Ray was said to be super dedicated to his job and the type of person to dive fully into his cases. He would prosecute some high-profile cases, such as the shooting at Penn State, and he would even investigate and locate witnesses for his cases on his own. Meanwhile, Ray's older brother, Roy, was living in West Chester, Ohio. In May of 1996, Roy was reported missing. His car was found near a river, and the family spent several days searching for him. But after seven days, his body was discovered in the Great Miami River. Roy's death was ruled a suicide. There have been several reports and articles I read that stated that Ray didn't believe his brother committed suicide. But Roy's own son, Ray's nephew, has said that he doesn't believe that is true as Ray never questioned police, never requested an autopsy report, or said anything to ever indicate that Ray didn't believe Roy committed suicide. Roy's case will come up again in this story. So in 1998, a very controversial legal decision would put Ray Grecar in the limelight. Assistant football coach Jerry Sandusky was accused of sexual abuse of several young boys. Ricard refused to press charges at the time, which of course sparked a little bit of a public outcry. Some felt there were personal reasons Ricard chose not to press charges, but everyone who worked with him said that was absolutely not the case. If there was sufficient evidence, Grecar wouldn't have hesitated to press charges. Sandusky was a very well-known coach, having won assistant coach of the year at Penn State prior. He'd also authored several books, and he was very active in his own nonprofit, which he started, The Second Mile, which was created for at-risk youth. The Sandusky accusation was big news in the area, and Sandusky would actually go on to be charged and convicted of 52 counts of sexual abuse in 2011. So even with Ray's decision in 1998 to not charge Sandusky, he would continue to be reelected for district attorney. 
He was an excellent prosecutor and everyone knew it. In 1999, Ray and Barbara would divorce, sharing custody of Lara, who was 13 at the time. Ray would go on to marry his second wife, Emma, but that marriage would also soon end in divorce. Ray would ultimately go on to find love in all places at the office. Patty Fornicola was an employee at the courthouse, and Ray and Patty would begin dating. Ray would move in with her shortly after, and the relationship was said to be perfect on all accounts. They got along well. They were both very independent people and both having been divorced before, neither of them were in any rush to get married. In 2005, Ray made the decision not to run for re-election, but to retire instead. He was ready to do all the things he wanted to do and the things that he enjoyed, travel, take road trips. And he was even planning a trip to visit his daughter, Lara, in Seattle. On April 15, 2005, Patty went to wake up Ray for work. When she told him it was time to get up, he responded by telling her he was going to play hooky that day and go for a drive. This was actually not that out of the ordinary for Ray to do this once in a while. So Patty thought nothing of it and went on to work herself. At 11.30 a.m., Ray called Patty to check in and just chat, and she said they had a normal conversation. He had told her he was headed to Lewisburg and going for a drive, possibly to do some shopping. He told her he would not be home in time to let the dog out, so Patty said she would head straight home after work. Again, none of this was out of the ordinary, according to Patty, and they ended the conversation with their standard I love yous. So Patty went home as planned. She let the dog out and then decided to head to the gym for a workout. When she got home from the gym later that evening and Ray still wasn't home, she started calling him, but he didn't answer. She kept trying his cell over and over and became more anxious by the minute. By 11.30 p.m., she called the police to report him missing. Her worst fear at the time was that Ray might have been in a car accident because nothing else really made sense. And immediately, with Ray being a public figure and being the district attorney, the police jump all over this case. He was one of them. It was going to be all hands on deck from the get go to look for Ray. The very next day, Ray's red Mini Cooper was found in the parking lot of an antique store in Lewisburg. The car was locked and Ray's cell phone was inside, but it was turned off and there was no sign of Ray. What's interesting about the discovery of the car was that they found cigarette ash on the floor of the passenger side and his car reeked of cigarette smoke and there were cigarette butts found outside the passenger door of his car on the ground. Ray was not a smoker and everyone has said that he despised the smell of cigarettes. They did test the cigarette butts for DNA but 
as far as we know, found no usable DNA to identify who they could have belonged to. So Ray's car found in the parking lot of an antique store was understandable. Antiques were a hobby of Ray's and he frequented antique malls. He had told Patty he was going out for a drive and likely to do some shopping, so it all made sense. Police went inside the mall to talk to the individual shop owners, and a few people thought they remembered seeing Ray, but a couple had more specific sightings. They said they saw Ray talking to a woman about five foot eight to five foot ten with short dark hair. They would talk and then they would head off into different shops separately, meeting back up occasionally and chatting. Both witnesses said there were no signs whatsoever that this was a romantic relationship. They stood a few feet from each other, even when talking, and they did not touch or hold hands. And the woman was younger, possibly 30 or 40. The witnesses had assumed it might have even been a daughter or just a friend of Ray's. When this information was given to police, they decided not to release it right away. And it's not uncommon for police to keep things out of the public to help their investigation. And this was one of those bits of information they chose not to release. And it seems that police had an idea of who this woman might have been. But after they were able to confirm that it was not her, they did finally release this information to the media. And to date, no one has come forward to say that they were this woman he was talking to, and no one else has come forward to identify her or to even say that they saw them together. What I kind of find weird is the police originally thought they knew who this woman was. Well, who did they think she was and why did they think they knew who she was? They never have said, but to me, it must have been someone they could link to Ray. And this leaves a big question in my mind as no one else has ever said who they think this woman might have been or why, in the beginning, the police felt they knew who it was. It's also important to note that these witnesses thought they saw Ray, but there was no surveillance camera, and what if they saw someone that looked like Ray? I don't know. I mean, they could be right. It could have been him, and it likely was since his car was there, but what if it wasn't even him? A lot of witnesses come forward in cases like these with this information, thinking that they may have seen the person, but I guess we really don't know. So with Ray's disappearance and the discovery of his car, the family was very distraught. Patty was polygraphed, as was his daughter, Lara, and both of them passed. Both of them were visibly very upset and no one ever suspected either of them as being involved. The FBI was called in to examine Ray's bank records, credit card statements, and cell phone records, but nothing unusual was found. They also asked Patty for Ray's county-issued laptop. 
and when Patty took them his laptop bag, where his laptop always was kept, the bag was empty with the exception of his charger. This was extremely odd as Ray never took his laptop with him anywhere, especially if he was not just going to the office. He was never known to travel with his laptop. Now, people immediately began to recall Ray's brother's suicide that I had mentioned earlier. The details are eerily similar. Roy had gone missing, and then his car was found near a river. Roy's body, however, was discovered just a week later. And the main difference was that Roy had been diagnosed with depression, while Ray had no history of it. So was history repeating itself with the Greekar family? One of the things about unsolved cases is that speculation and theories and misinformation can run rampant as people try to make sense of things. It seems the less information that is given or that is known just increases the amount of rumors and misinformation that can be spread. I did read in a few places that Ray had been complaining of being tired and exhausted a lot lately and was encouraged to go see a doctor shortly before he disappeared, which could raise a red flag. Others have stated that he was acting perfectly normal and nothing seemed wrong with him at at all in the days and weeks leading up to April 15th. So the weeks turned into months, and there was still no sign of Ray. There was no sign of foul play, and his disappearance was a complete mystery to everyone. The Susquehanna River continued to be searched. Dive teams were brought in, sonar equipment. The police never let up on the search itself. On July 30th, something was finally discovered, and it was actually found by fishermen who found it under a bridge, and it was Ray's missing laptop. The hard drive had been removed, and there was no useful data recovered from the computer. Weeks later, they would find the missing hard drive, which had been completely destroyed. They also found it in a whole other section of the river, which led them to the conclusion that the hard drive had been removed prior to the laptop being thrown in the river, and they were likely tossed in the river at different places. They sent this hard drive off to the FBI and the Secret Service for analysis, but absolutely nothing could be recovered. It was destroyed beyond repair. And interestingly, when police had investigated the home computer at Ray and Patty's house, they found a search history of how to destroy a hard drive. They also found software in Ray's office to delete a hard drive. But Patty said this was not suspicious at all. She knew he had purchased it. He was going to be retiring soon. And his reasoning was he didn't want to leave any personal data on his county laptop. So lots of theories began popping up. Number one being Ray walked away. 
Ray wouldn't be the first person to walk away from a stressful life, a stressful job, and just start over. But he was just months away from retiring and he had a seemingly happy life. He had also been making plans with his daughter, Lara, to go visit her in Seattle. And there really aren't any signs about how he might have prepared for this financially or set anything up to help him create a new life. There have been sightings of Ray that have come up since his disappearance, or supposed sightings. One in Utah made headlines when a man who did not know his own identity, was picked up by police. He claimed he didn't know who he was. And when his mugshot was released, instantly people thought of Ray Grecar. There was a striking resemblance. And they sent the man's fingerprints off to hopefully help identify him, which they did. He was not Ray Grecar. He was actually identified as Philip Beavers from New Mexico. Another sighting would take place in Texas. A woman was eating at a Chili's restaurant with her family in the middle of an afternoon when she noticed a man eating alone. She was familiar with the Ray Grigar case and thought the resemblance was uncanny. She actually approached the man and struck up a conversation with him. And while she said he was very friendly, she noted that he acted strange when she questioned him. She had asked for directions to the zoo, and his response to her was that he wasn't from the area. She asked where he was from, and she said he became fidgety and hesitated before stating he was from Tennessee. She went back to her table, and still not convinced that this wasn't Ray Grigar, she pretended to be taking a photo of her family but instead was able to snap a photograph of the unknown man with her cell phone. She took this photo to local police who shared the info with Center County PA and Belafonte Police. The Texas police also showed a photo lineup to the waitress at Chili's and she picked out Grigar's photo as the man she waited on. So back in Pennsylvania, they show the cell phone photo to Patty, who believed that it might be Ray. His daughter, Lara, however, points out that the man in the photo is left-handed and she doesn't believe it to be him. However, no one disputes the resemblance between the two. So did Ray just walk off to start a new life? So the second theory is suicide. And a lot of this case does lean towards suicide. There are no obvious signs of foul play and the circumstances which mirror his brother Roy's suicide really can't be ignored either. To be honest, this theory is very possible. However, police have searched the Susquehanna River over and over and over using every equipment they could bring in and use. The river was notably low, apparently, at the time of Ray's disappearance, and the levels can vary greatly, meaning that most of the time a body would have surfaced or would have been discovered by now. And it is hard to explain, actually, why it hasn't been discovered. 
But most people claim to have seen no signs of Ray being unhappy at all. In fact, most have said the complete opposite. He was very happy in his life with Patty, and he was very excited about his upcoming retirement, even talking about it at the office. So did Ray commit suicide and his body has just evaded searchers all these years? The third theory is murder or foul play. This one is a little bit harder to justify without any real clues, but police would learn some things that indicated they could not rule this out. Ray Grecar was a district attorney. He put many, many people behind bars and certainly would have no shortage of enemies. And a lot of people bring up this Jerry Sandusky case. Did that play a role? Did a disgruntled victim come after Ray, upset that he refused to charge Sandusky? Or did Ray know more than he should about the case? Ray disappeared seven years after refusing to charge Sandusky. And Sandusky would go on to eventually be charged and convicted in 2011, six years after Ray would vanish. In this last year, a new piece of evidence would come up. An informant would come forward to say that he knew what happened to Ray Grigar, and he would tell quite a story. Apparently, according to the informant, Ray was working on a drug ring case in early 2005. This is partially verified, actually. There was indeed a case going on, but I couldn't confirm Ray's exact involvement in it. Anyways, this man said while he was incarcerated, his cellmate would tell him that he and another man were contracted to kidnap and kill Ray. He said a woman would lure Ray to a hotel where they broke his neck and put his body in the trunk of a car to dispose of his body out of the area. It's always hard to confirm a jailhouse story, but it can't be ignored either. And it certainly seems possible. And this might explain why no body has ever been discovered, why his computer was destroyed the way it was, and maybe who even the cigarette ashes might belong to. It might also explain that unknown woman possibly seen at the antique mall with Ray. Another talked about theory, although lesser so, is that Ray entered the witness protection program. And again, I suppose it is possible, being his role as a DA, but the whole idea of the program is to keep people protected and their whereabouts unknown. So I don't know that we can ever verify this one, unless one of the other theories is proven to be true, this one is going to be hard to disprove or confirm. There are a few details that stick out to me with this case. Did he plan to take that day off on purpose, and why? Was he maybe meeting someone? Or was it just one of his normal take-the-day-off, go-for-a-drive and antique shopping that he was known to have? 
Or did he find harm at the hands of a stranger along the way? The cigarette butts and the ashes are also baffling. Generally, someone who hates smoking, even just the smell, isn't going to pick up a cigarette and have a smoke unless he was maybe planning on suicide and figured why not. But the fact that these ashes and the cigarette butts were all found on the passenger side, that does make me wonder. And also, there's the issue of the laptop. What was on the laptop that it needed destroyed so bad? If Ray destroyed it, what was he hiding? It seems a dramatic way to just go about deleting some personal info off of a laptop. Or was he not even the one who destroyed it? Did someone else destroy it? So what do you think happened to Roy Grigar? Roy Grigar was 59 years old, six foot tall, and weighed 172 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He had graying hair and green eyes. If you have any information as to the whereabouts of Ray Grigar or any information at all pertaining to this case, please call the Belfont Police Department at 814-353-2320. If you are interested, please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Hopefully we will get Ray's story up soon. It is just under our podcast name, Where Are They? And every little bit of exposure helps for these cases. And the subscriber count helps the missing person's name rank higher in search engines. Also, if you have any case suggestions for us or charity partner suggestions, please email canwefindthem at gmail.com or hit us up anytime on social media. Thank you all for tuning into this episode and hearing Ray's story. We will be back next week. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.